You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Archery Unfiltered, where I, Wendell Souza, cover. California archery events and what it takes to make you a better archer. This is the Weed Eater podcast coming at you shirtless, underwearless, and extremely stoned. How you doing, fuckos? It is November 11th, uh, 2021. What is that? 40, I can't remember, ABE, after Bobby Eiler, <clears throat> as you can probably tell already, how's everyone doing, is everyone practicing, is everyone all set up for indoor, I would imagine most of us compound freestyle people are, uh, I know there's, I may have mentioned on the last show, there's a couple of, um, you know, 3D events. I think turkey shoots that are going on. November's kind of like the last uh, the last month that you can get any outdoor events going. I think. I think that's a true statement. There might be some kind of winter thing that comes around, but... I mean, most competitive archers are moving it indoors already. I probably don't need to tell you guys. This is stuff you guys already know. Um, but... In case you're like a recurve guy that happens to listen to this show, there's turkey shoots going down. Uh, Redwood Bowman. Uh, yeah, I listened to the last episode for the dates. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's dive right into it. Um, well, first off, I'm, I'm a little stoned, so I'll try to give you guys a quality episode. This might come out funnier. This might come out worse. Uh Man, putting the baby down to sleep is just, it's tough. It's tough. So I had to break my uh, my clean streak. Anyway, um, if your name is Elliot or your name is Eric or you are a competitive archer that is shooting indoors and is ready to bump it up to the next, the next level, say you're a decent club shooter, right, or you're a decent shop shooter, and you, you, you're towards the top of the pack at your indoor league. You don't have to be the top, but you just be towards the top. Uh, if you guys are looking to take your game to the next level, then in the next two months, there's going to be a series of indoor shoots that you guys have to attend. You show up, you shoot under pressure, you get that little, you get a little bit sharper, and then you go back to shooting your league or your club. Uh, indoor and you're that much stronger you'll see it it like best money you can spend on archery upgrades is going to indoor events and there's going to be a bunch of them coming up a lot of people kind of shy away from these because it's really um at least in our area people shy away from these just because it costs money to shoot you're it's you're shooting under like like a pressure cooker um all stuff that makes you a stronger shooter. It's all good stuff. Uh, so December 12th is the Bay Area Open. This is one of my personal favorites. Uh, I think I've won it twice in a, twice in a row. Uh, I think I may have lost it to Randall. But I can't remember. Even if I wasn't stoned, I, I couldn't remember. It was so long ago. And there's so many shoots that have happened since then. It's one of the really, really awesome shoots. If you guys go to um, uh, Pacifica Archery's Facebook page, they have, like, I don't know how deep it is in the videos, but this event was live-streamed. Um, and so you can see me shooting against other people. I mean, it's not live anymore. It's just a video now. But you can see me shooting against other people as it was happening. And, um, man, I, I can't hide being nervous, even a little bit. I look like a wreck out there. 
on these videos. Um, it's also, <laughs> it's also. I remember they asked me like, "What are you gonna do with your winnings?" And I said, "I'm gonna turn it into weed." And <laughs> I remember I got right in the camera and I thought, "Oh man, uh, tell him the truth. Is that gonna cost me in the future?" Nah. No, it, it's all for the joke, and it's all worth it. And that might not have been a joke, but anyway, like I was saying earlier, guys, before I started stone rambling, um, these events will get you like get you ready for Vegas. This is what it is. This, and they, they just make you a better shooter overall. One of the crazy things that I've been thinking about lately is that like all the guys up in Washington, right? Um, they're all crazy good shooters. And they all shoot against each other all the time. And so the level, the, the level of competition, the bar is just way up. And uh, I'm going to try to interview some of these Washington folks. It's like a whole different planet up there, the way they do archery. But that's not to say we can't sling some good scores down here. Uh, when I got my butt kicked by Rubio, he shot a 27x game. My boy Austin Watts is also putting down 27x games. Like, granted, this is just in practice. The big show is going to start next week with the AB Invitational. Uh, I didn't throw the dates up because it's an Invitational. Uh, but, you know, I'll definitely let you guys know how it goes and what that's like. Um, the Invitational is going to be some of the strongest shooters in California. I, I don't think it's going to be... I don't even think it's going to be half, but there's going to be a lot... like. Some of California's good shooters are going to be there, and it's going to be a good. It's going to be a good battle. We're going to see some some guys walk away with some money. Um, hopefully, it'll be me. But you know, who doesn't think that? <laughs> sure, everyone. Everyone that's going is thinking the same thing. Um, oh, that's another thing. I'm going to stone ramble away from what I was saying, but um, it's any dog's day. I know I've said this before, but man, uh, seeing seeing my friends do really good, uh, like rise to the occasion. Not to put my friends down, like they're all great shooters, they're all killer shooters. But some of them, in the you know, uh, distant, not distant, recent, like just recently, uh, they all rise to the occasion and they've shot above and beyond their ability and really have done good so uh just remember it's any dog's day you know you can have your day out there just a little mental pep talk um now there are also days that won't be your day (laughs) those are days of learning okay use those days to learn and then the days that are your day just soak it in bask in it and then get your ass back to work um so december 12th bay area open it's going to be a great event. If Randall's going to be shooting it, it's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, I know, I know, Austin's going to shoot it. Oh, a bunch of good guys are going to go come down there. Barry Open is always a bloodbath, and it's it's awesome. Uh, it says December twelfth, January eighth is the Central Coast Open, and I might be getting this mixed up. It's January eighth and January ninth. There's going to be two events in Fresno. It's going to be. Uh, one at Impact Archery, and uh, one at the Spot Archery. They're not far away from each other. You can get a room down there, hit both events. Uh, me and Rudy talk about this on the Rudecast. Like that, like uh, you know, it's a it's a double whammy, right? Right when you thought you could relax for the month of January, uh, January twenty third, my brother's birthday. Um, Wilderness is having their indoor event. This used to be run by Todd Hawkins. Uh, it, if anyone who's listening doesn't know who that is, that's it's basically one of the Expendables, right? If you count all the old guys at Wilderness that have been shooting and competing for like a hundred years now, those are all the Expendables. Todd Hawkins, one of those guys, he's an organizer. Like he's he's put on some really cool shoots. The Wilderness indoor shoot is what's really cool about that is there's a ton of ways you can win money. It'll be like most X's shot wins like 10 bucks or whatever. And Todd just, he would do it at the end. I think it's going to be run by Mark and 
Mark Rubio and Doug Rosen. But at the very, you know, at the end of the shoot, they'll be like, oh, yeah, so most exes got, you know, 20 bucks or 30 bucks or whoever shoots a 500 gets like five. I, don't, I can't remember. I can't remember what it was, but you went, you ended up coming away with a bunch of money. Like, you're bound to win something there. And if not, you know, you donate to a good cause. That's someone else winning. Um, <clears throat> After January, I said, you know what? Did I ever win that? I think I, the only time I shot it, I lost it. I think I lost it to Alan Burnetta. Anyway, great event. Lots of fun. Um, after that is Vegas, guys. Like, seriously, January is going to be the month of, for us guys in California, it's going to be the month for us to get our shit together and really, like, you know, really get ugly with the indoor game. Um, I had a cool guy on social media ask me about, or he didn't ask me, he was just telling me, like, man, where I live, there's not any, like, real serious competition. Like, how do I get better? Or it would be cool if there were, there, he said there would be, co- it would be cool if there were guys that he could, like, compete and travel with and stuff. <coughs> and it's a lot of fun when you have a buddy that you can go with, without a doubt. Uh, but you know what? I've met a lot of cool people at national events. Uh, one guy is this dude, Shane West. He's, like, this super yoked, uh, like, outdoorsman who looks like he should be on the hunting channel, right? But he shoots a target bow, and he shoots it super clean. And I think, I can't remember where I met Shane first, but we ended up getting into the high, like, I think we were flighted in some kind of, we were, like, first flight, basically. And Shane just continues to, like, he still shoot, he, like, he took a little break, and now he's back shooting. Totally cool. Totally cool guy, and it was cool seeing him at every national event it was a ton of fun um you know you might meet you know if, if you're shooting in the amateur class you will get flighted and you'll meet some cool guys there was this guy named chris roberts olsen way back in the day that was always like top four at fucking any amateur event any any national amateur event you should look, you look him up he's a he's a killer he's he shot for the what spider team or i don't know Chris Roberts Olson, he's cool. Shane West, another cool guy. Uh, they're both probably way too busy to be listening to this. But uh, you guys should look them up. Anyway, uh, what else? Ah! I have a confirmation for a badass indoor arrow. So, I know I've said it a million times. I'm shooting a Super Drive 27 at 30 or 30 or 29 inches with a 150 grain point. And uh, right now that arrow absolutely pounds. And what I'm thinking with arrows is, you know, they say there's no real magic formula. And if you guys checked out Chris Perkins, he had, uh, he just did like some Instagram thing where he answered a bunch of questions. He made a good point. There is no formula for a do it all 27 diameter arrow for everybody. Like there cannot be one build for a 27 that you pass to everyone. It'll work for some people. It won't work for others. He said he thinks it's dependent on your style. He's like, whatever your style is of shooting, it will call for, you know, whatever arrow build. I I would like to guess that, actually, if you have a draw length of, like, 27 and a half inches and under, or 27 and under... A 150 grain point will do just fine for you. And then if you're like 28 or 27.5 and over, a 250 grain point will do good for you. And beyond that, it's kind of like, you know, you're really getting into point weights that are tailored for how you shoot or, or how you want. I think beyond those. I think if, you know, if you're under a certain draw length, 150, most of you guys can run 150. And be just fine. I'm not sure about the length yet. I've only really run 30 inch. Uh, I, you know, way back in the day when I shot the state 450, I shot a 26 inch arrow, or it might have been a 25 inch arrow. It was a PS 26, four flesh, left helical, 200 grain point. Um, but what's cool is I got a message from Adam Correa. He uh told me about how this last year he shot a 450 for state indoor and he actually got beat by another dude who shot a 450 but two dudes threw down 450s this last year for state indoor 
Isn't that fucking nuts? Two guys shot 450. So that means if you want to win men's freestyle amateur state 450, shooting a 450 just gets you to the ball. <laughs> Whether or not you get to dance is on a whole different, you know, that's on X count after that. But Adam was one of the dudes that was uh, badass enough to shoot a 450, and he sent me a message saying that what he did it with was a PS27 cut to 29 inches, 150 grain point. That's pretty dope. I think Adam has a longer draw length than me, but I wonder if he's under the, the 27 and a half uh, draw length. I don't know. Something to something to think about. Um, let's see. Uh, another question. Wendell, I suffer from the low dip bang. What could it be? I bet a lot of people are hearing this and thinking like, oh man, I suffer from the dip bang. Um, the dip bang. So I've suffered from the dip bang before, right? Where it seems like you just get a rash of dip bangs if you are not fucking on point. Uh, it's over. It's from over trying, right? Is the dip bang at least the cause that I find creates that creates dip bang is from over trying, and you can call that what it, you can d- define that however you want. Whether it's like pushing and pulling too hard pushing too hard um it could also be from your setup so i'm going to run through the setup real quick of what it could be if it's if it's your bow all right so anytime you get something like this like dip bang it's going to be one or two things it's going to be the bow, like something horribly wrong with the bow or it's going to be fucking you so if it's the bow things that can cause that would be timing not being on right say you uh you're running like for whatever reason, bottom cam is hitting first. Maybe your cable stretched, right? Bottom cam is hitting first. That can create this dip bang because it's just going to cause a weird... It's going to cause a weird hold bias, if that makes any sense. Or It's going gonna, it's gonna to bias the bow in a weird way while you're trying to hold if you're running bottom cam first. Some people, I'm sure, like that. I'm sure there's a fool out there that's like, actually, dude, I run bottom cam first and my shit shoots great. I know... This dude, back in the day, that shot Outlaws, his name was Keith Bag Baggett. Keith Baggett. I remember him. He used to do this thing called reverse creep tuning. <laughs> Try to tune his bow so that if he crept off the wall, instead of the arrow shooting up, like if you creep off the wall and shoot, right, what happens is the arrow should shoot up in the air, right, or it'll hit high. He tuned his bow so if he crept off the wall, the shit would shoot middle. All right. Now, if I can't tell you, <laughs> sorry, Keith, that is so fucking dumb. <laughs> but, but you know what? You shot really good, so I'll, I'll give you that. You know, you didn't, you didn't make it look bad. Let me tell you guys why not to do that. Okay. Uh, oh shit! I'm too stoned. I don't have a good enough answer. Run them even. Run your timing even or top cam first, right? If you're a Hoyt guy, most likely you run it top cam first. Uh, if you shoot any other bow, any other bow, you just run them even, and you don't got to worry about all that wacky timing stuff. Um, so there's that. The other thing that can cause a dreaded dip bang is too much mass weight, right? And if you're a young buck in his thirties, and you think it's not mass weight, just lighten up your bow a little bit first and, and, and see. Okay. I know I'm like, nah, dude, I've like, when I was killing it, I was running 20 ounces front, 20 ounces in the back. Right. As I started to kill it less and less, (laughs) I was still holding on to shooting that weight and I was suffering from dip bangs. Right now. What's the cause of that? Probably is not practicing as much. Or doing, I used to do aiming drills also to strengthen my front shoulder. But, you know, call it whatever. When I started to lose it, I still held on to the 2020 and it brought my scores down. When I was able to readjust my weights and run, uh, what was it, like 15 or 16 or 17 in the front and 19 in the back, like I changed it. I ended up running lighter weights in the front and back. The whole thing, mass weight. And then it was, boom, scores were coming back, all right? And I won a bunch of the 
not last year because because last year was COVID, but the year before, I won a bunch of indoor events. Um, because I was able to make this change to recognize that I can't hold the same weight that I used to, and just found what worked good. And it can work the other way too, where you add weight until you find what works good. In this case, I felt the dip bang was, you know, caused by uh, too much mass weight, and I, I, you know, changed things. I adapted and got it to work again. So la- uh, not last year, but the year before, that was the year that I'm starting to I'm starting to like not practice as much. Skills are starting to fade a little bit. So how do I accommodate? Make the bow lighter. Bam, back in the game. Doing that now, uh, I had, what did I have? 12 and 12 on my bow at the Coyote 600. And for the two weeks, three weeks up to the Coyote 600, that's what I ran. I didn't change anything. Just ran that setup. Right? For that three weeks... I was pounding in practice and I don't have any leagues. Like I don't have time to do leagues cause I have a kid at this moment when she gets a little older, I'm going to, you know, see if I can't pay a babysitter so I can go shoot a league or something. But, um, I don't have leagues right now. So the way I'm motivating myself to shoot good is having in my mind that the clean, the goal is to shoot clean. That's a high X count. 300 is what I'm going for. And all three weeks leading up to the Coyote 600, I was able to get that and feel confident. I was able to feel good going into the 600. Then something happened during the 600 where the tension and the overthinking and the overaiming kind of crept in a little bit and made it tough for me to finish out those games the way I wanted to, to like how I do it in practice. Now, this is the why people say, oh, well, you shot 300. Well, you didn't practice really doesn't count. The reason why people say that is because shooting it during a league or shooting shooting it during competition is really different than just shooting it in your backyard. Like the pressure, the thinking, the timing between ends, uh, all of that, like how bad you want it, like creeping its way into your release hand, all of that stuff happens during competition that you will not get from shooting by yourself. So <laughs> what I noticed was, you know, I'm I'm tense. I'm over aiming, um, and it's because of this. This mental. It's also ultimately it's mental. So now I'm like, how can I deal with this for the next time? The next time I'm going to be shooting under tension, right? Um, so I started playing with weights a little bit and added weight. It it brought my holding weight up, or no, I you know put different mods on, brought my holding weight up put the weights on the front that brought my holding weight up. It steadied the, um, it steadied the bow. Now that the bow had higher holding weight. Uh, and it seemed like in practice I gave it, I think it was two weeks of practice like that. Maybe a week and a half. And, uh, no, it was one week. It was actually one week of solid practice before that. I was just kind of fiddling around with stuff. Um, and the practice seemed good. Then I go to practice and that tension creeps in and everything goes up. And when I say I go to practice, I mean I go to shoot against some other people for score, right? You put a couple of bucks down and uh, and everything kind of fell apart. So it's the same thing. What's, what's happening? That tension is creeping into my hand and causing me to over-aim and do all this, you know, do all this wackiness. So I end up... Uh, you know, after that day, trying to simulate that tension by telling myself I have to shoot an X. Well, like when I'm practicing in the morning, I have to shoot an X on this shot, and then like get that feeling back, right? That tense feeling. Okay, well, if I have to, am I going to over aim? What am I doing? I end up taking a ton of weight off of my bow so that I can hold forever. If you have, you know, if the bow is extremely light, it's going to hold. Like, you should be able to hold it level forever. Um, there are guys that shoot a ton of weight on their bow, and they are, like, conditioned, and they have solid supporting form to hold up that much weight. If you can do it, and you can hold, do it. Um, but if you can't, don't for, like don't force it. 
if you can't hold in the spot, uh, you might have too much weight. You might not have enough, but you might have too much. So I took a ton of weight off my bow. <clears throat> How much are you asking? Well, right now I have four on the front, nine on the back. This is the lightest I've run since like the beginning of COVID. And um, I didn't have COVID. I was just so not conditioned around that time that I did this back then as well. Um, crazy thing about having a super light bow, real easy to break shots. Uh, I thought it was going to be quite the opposite, that it was going to be extremely hard to pull through shots. But I was thinking about it in physics. Do you guys remember taking physics in college? Uh, they taught it in high school, I think. And if you like were lucky and went to a private school, they might have taught it there. If you went to Catholic school, they didn't teach this. All right. But in physics, if you have a box and you're pushing a box, the amount of force you have to exert, like the force you push on that box, there is an equal and opposing force pushing the other way. So if you think about that in terms of a bow, the more you're holding, the more mass weight you're holding, the more weight you're pushing forward. And if you're a guy that gets his release to go by pushing forward, um, it's going to be harder now because you're pushing more mass weight. You have to push harder. Now, that is physics, right? Um, again, if your bow is biased super far forward, though, you might get that holding weight increase in your fingers. So, you know, depending on how you hold it. Uh, but too much mass weight is going to cause... It's going to be harder to expand, at least with your bow arm. So, I took a ton of weight off of my bow. I can hold it forever. And it's super easy to break shots. Uh, with that being said... This weight dances around it like Michael J. Fox on acid. Like this is it's so all over the place. But when I calm down, when I calm the fuck down, I can aim in the ten. Like indefinitely. Then I, I from there I just have to break a, a clean, steady shot. That's it. So it's almost like I'm I have to teach myself to shoot all over again, like a proper way. I can't just dump the pin on there and rip a fucking shot. Um, one way I have heard to counter a dip bang. Now I'm going to tell you like something that's totally that goes against what I just said, right? But it it is something that works. You can add an ounce to the front of your bow. So sometimes that dip bang is from overcorrecting, or you're like you're driving with the bow arm at a certain way that it's causing it. It's not smooth, right? It's like, uh, you're driving, 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 and it's coming out in like a weird up and down pin float. You can add an ounce to the front of your bow, right? And it will help you give a, a longer, slower drive on the bow arm. And that longer, slower drive will be less vertical up and down. Uh, I'm not the only, like, I found this out shooting outlaws like a long time ago, and that's how I was able to cure it back then. Uh, granted, I was shooting like, 20 ounces on the front. But someone else, uh, Heather Smith, said that she found out that same thing. I think she added like two ounces uh, to the front of hers, and it helped her get that drive going. That was two ounces on top of whatever weight she shot. And so at the time, like, you know, I was saying the same thing to people. Um, yeah. So we got mass weight. Uh, could also be your stabilizers if your bow's biased in a weird way it can cause you to to dip bang but i can hold you know i think most people can hold with some pretty funky setups peep height can be one of the things that dip bang you also if your peep height is too high and it's set or it's set for field set for like i don't know you know like how your bow is set up for field and you're shooting the birdie the way you're like oh man this is so freaking close and, you know, the way your your sights, like, run all the way to the top. <coughs> I believe that can cause you to shoot at the bottom. Because you're effectively aiming your arm downwards. Just to shoot straight at 20. So, I'm all about lowering the peep. Causing you to lower your sight. Which causes you to break flatter. Your arm follow through is flatter. So you can... Overpower shots flatter, basically. Um, I talked about this in one of the last podcasts. I guess I'm saying that a lot, but because I'm high. But yeah, so that's another dip banger is your peep height. Now, 
That's all the bullshit. What about you? What is it about you that is causing the dip bang? Now, that could be, are you overthinking it? Are you holding for way too long? Are you over-aiming? I guess that could be overthinking it. Uh, do you have a ton of tension in your release hand? Uh, that's another one where, you know, you have so much tension, you try to force the shot to go. You end up overworking it. Uh, that's another one that will dip you at the bottom. You know, just set the bow up so that you can do work. It doesn't have to be super easy. It, you, don't, you know, the pin doesn't have to just sit in the middle. You can make it sit in the middle. Like we've all done, you know, we've all played video games, right? I think we're all kids of the 80s now. <laughs> Maybe a couple kids of, of the 70s in here, but you guys know what I'm saying. You, you can do it. Just make it make it so you can do work. Put the pin in the middle and make it so you can rip it. I'm going to try this setup. My theory, though, is under an extremely light setup, I'm, I'm, it's going to be really, it's going to be real jittery in competition. Uh, we'll know this weekend. I got to practice this weekend with a bunch of killers. Everyone's probably going to throw money down. Um, you know, so a really cool dude that listens to this show was saying that the competition at his shop is pretty, pretty bobo. He said, "How are you going to get better if the competition is bobo?" And at first, I was like, "I don't know." Because those guys up in Washington, it's like, you guys ever hear the, the phrase, iron sharpens iron? They are some sharp cats up there in Washington. Uh, and it helps when everyone is shooting, right? And everyone's shooting good. It helps raise the bar. Everyone sees what's possible, you know? And they, you know, if everyone knows that they can do it, everyone's going to bring their A game. It's going to be a bloodbath every time. If you let, if your shop, I think your exact words were like 297s win league at my shop. That's fine. That's okay. That's a good place to do work. Anyone that shoots in the 90s, right, is in a great spot for doing work and elevating. Because if you can shoot in the 290s, you can shoot a 300. You're right there. You just have a couple things in your path that you got to kick out of your way. Whether it's mental game, consistency, whatever, conditioning, you know, there's just a couple things in your way to stopping you from getting to a 300. So if there are guys at your club or at your shop that shoot league with you, that can shoot 290s, start putting money on it. Uh, you know, talk some shit. I mean, not to the point of fist fighting, but being like, come on, guys, like, I'm going to fuck you up on this, right? And uh, and see if that changes the game. See if you guys bring your A game and you, someone starts shooting a 298. You know what I mean? Uh Make it competitive and try to get the guys that are going to shoot more and shoot with you. Like, say leagues on Thursday. Maybe you get your buddies or these guys, maybe you don't like them. Maybe they're not your buddies, but they're good archers. You say, Sunday, let's all shoot for money on Sunday, you know? So that way you guys practice on Sunday and then you practice again on league. Um and, you know, you guys are going to outpace everyone else in the in the league that isn't doing this. But it's it's definitely something you can do that will up the game there. And uh, I remember back when I was practicing all the time, I would put money on, like, against the guy next to me. He would say, okay, you can only shoot X's, I'll shoot 10's, um, you know. And then we'll put money on it and then see what happens. You do it with a handicap, all right? Say, the, say you're shooting a 297. Say that <laughs> when you're like, yeah, 297s win, win league, and that's actually you, <laughs> and other people are shooting like 280s, give them a handicap. Give them a 10 point handicap, and then see how the game is. See if that doesn't light a fire under your ass. Give them a 10 point handicap and tw- put 20 bucks on it. I'll bet you that'll fucking, uh, that'll put a little bit of pressure on you. <laughs> so, anyway, what was I talking about? Dip bangs? All right, I guess I covered that. Um, but yeah, as far as you want to make it better, the way I do it, okay? And I know I said this earlier, but the way I practice right now, because I can't go to the league, is the goal is clean. The goal is 30x games, all right? And uh, that's what I'm working towards, a 30x game. Uh, you know, right now I oscillate between a... 
I mean, the last the last practice I shot against people for money, it was I didn't even get to shoot three hundred. In practice, right now, I can shoot I can shoot a high X game, not thirty. So that striving for thirty is going to be the thing that keeps me practicing and keeps me like that's going to be what puts pressure on me. Uh, that and shooting these indoor events, man, I'm going to bring that. That's what it, I'm going to bring to the indoor events to see how that works. We'll see how that works in competition. I think shooting leagues is super valuable. Um, like one of my favorite times when I was shooting was I shot, I was shooting a league in Newark on Tuesday. It was like 10 minutes from my work. And then Wednesday I would go to another shop and shoot with my friends that didn't shoot these leagues, you know? And then, uh, on a different day, I would either drive out to a shop called fat shafts and I would shoot a league there or I would shoot at a league in San Francisco, South San Francisco. And, um, man, having like two week, two leagues in a week and then practice with some of those guys checkered in, you know, it was awesome practice. It was so cool. It was so much fun. And it made me really like comfortable, comfortable at all these different times shooting under pressure. Now that's partial lie. Cause if you see me at during any of those times, I'm very, very nervous, but I can control myself when it's shooting time or at least I could then still working on it now, but I'm feeling good about Sunday. I think it's going to be any dog's day on Sunday. I'm really going to, I'm looking to take a, take some taco money from everybody. Uh, another thing that I didn't talk about that I, okay. So I also changed, I did the, I did like a ridiculous thing, which was I changed my release, um, for the Coyote 600 and for a lot of my practice, what I shoot is the two finger like fulcrum, an old, old fulcrum, like the, the ones that aren't the flexes, right? I have one of those and I, I cut it into a two finger. <clears throat> That's a good release. But I think the two finger style is what allows me to hold a lot of tension in my hand. So I switched to a HT hybrid, which is just an, an aluminum. It's like the, it's like they were trying to make an HBC and they bailed and, or an HBC flex and they bailed halfway. I got one of those and I got it set up as a four finger. That four finger actually allows me to rotate through the shot pretty well. And, uh, it forcing my four fingers open and not curling up my pinky finger helps me keep less tension in my hand. So there's something like if you shoot a three finger hinge, right? And you find that you get tension in your hand. See if you can place your pinky finger in a position or place it somewhere or be mindful of it that keeping it relaxed will keep the tension out of your hand. It's a cool thing. Um, my buddy, Matt Tippins, saw me begging and pleading with people online for a thumb button and he sent me a Trueball Abyss and that thing is a lot of fun. I shot a goat, right? Uh, I, I dabbled in punching right? It was cool. It's awesome. It's a great way to make your heart like elastic and, uh, (laughs) spongy, I guess, because for a guy who shoots hinge, punching it spikes my heart rate. Like, uh, like I'm getting robbed at gunpoint every single time. I don't have any money. I don't have any money. I don't have any money all fucking day. And then by the end of the day, you're just like, so I've done that. My buddy Austin was like, oh, dude, you know how to shoot a thumb button. Just shoot it like, you know, shoot it like a hinge. I shoot mine like a hinge. So I set it up like that. Or he actually set it up for me. And then I shot it just like a hinge. Shot really good with it. Um, and then one day I just picked up a hinge again and I was like, oh, yeah. I love this. That's the thing. Guys that shoot hinges a lot, shooting anything else seems very strange. And it's not that you can't put it together. If you can shoot a hinge, you can shoot anything. Like, I truly believe that. If you shoot a hinge, you know. You know how to execute a shot. Um, 
And then you start shooting a thumb button like a hinge, but it's different. Because you can be very gentle on a thumb button. You can pull very gently and bang, you can get it to go. You can shoot a thumb button like a Carter Evo, but very precise. Like you're more, there's more fidelity in it if you shoot it like an Evo than if you shot an Evo. Like a Carter Evo, you can set it, you will have to muscle a couple shots, and then, you know, and then you'll muscle through one super fast, you'll be like, oh shit. <clears throat> Thumb button, you don't have to develop any of that Carter Evo fidelity, it's already there. It's in your finger, you can feel it in your fingers. Um, so I was super jazzed to get this True Ball Abyss and set it up. The, okay, so the way Austin sets his up, it's the way he set mine up, at least the my goat. So that's how I set up the abyss, which is super light, spring tension, really hot, <clears throat> and that's so you put your thumb on the barrel when you're ready to shoot, and it's just a little pull will get that thing to go. Uh, converse like I think that's the word. Conversely, if you guys ever watch Slosher shoot his, puts his thumb on the barrel and then he relaxes his hand. He pulls. And that pull makes his hand stretch. It looks like it's relaxing, but it might be stretching. And his thumb is hooked on the barrel, so as everything starts to stretch and pull, it pulls the thumb barrel, and bam, it goes. Schlosser also does the occasional, like, double flinch, triple blink, slam the, th- the thumb button. You know, he'll do his punch once in a while, but not like Kyle Douglas or um, Jamie Lutz, you know. So... Yeah, there's different ways you can shoot the thumb button. I freaking love it. And I like it's gentle, right? Sometimes with a hinge, you start building up, you know, you start ripping through shots, and it's just like, it's like the Hulk, dude, ripping a phone book in half. Um, Yeah, so I'm digging the thumb button. I'm sure I'll end up going back to the hinge. The four-finger hinge was allowing me to get these shots off, you know? Um and not get hung up. I really dug that about the four finger hinge. Again, I'm I'm shooting my hinge no click. Uh I tried doing the Blake drum click thing and I'm just I just don't have the I don't have the patience and it might be the wrong thing to do by not, you know, trying to work on it, but I just don't have the time. So, maybe in the future I'll give it another try, but right now I'm looking for not so much a shortcut, but something that's closer to something that's closer for me to to latch onto. So if I have any, <laughs> I have some really cool listeners out there. You guys that listen from out of state, you guys are cool, man. Thank you. Thank you for the support. Um, but for anyone that's out there that's like, oh, yeah, Wendell's one of us. He's a hinge shooter. Ah, I am. I'm trying to shoot a button again. I'll probably go back to a hinge. Not that you guys care, but maybe some of you guys are going through the same thing right now, like trying to find the right right release and get it to go for you. What's crazy is <clears throat> I don't hear any of my friends talking about this. Like the the dudes I shoot with, the guys that are that shoot at my shop or my shop, the guys that shoot at the shop that I also shoot for. Uh, I never hear them talk about getting hung up on their release hand, and they all shoot hinges. Maybe I should talk to them, but you know, macho bro, dude, I can't, I can't go discussing my emotions and asking for help. That's that's not manly. So, I don't know. Maybe they don't suffer from it like I do. And I just suffer from aiming really good. Or at least sometimes aiming good. So anyway, that's how it's going for me right now, guys. Uh, I'll keep you guys updated. Let you know if this shit is working or not working. Uh, I hope you guys (laughs) didn't mind this podcast. It's kind of a filler podcast. I have good stuff coming for you guys. Uh got a couple people I'm going to interview. But mainly, I just want to... One of the things I wanted to do with my podcast is kind of just walk you guys through what a competitive archer's practice and tournaments are like. Um, for anyone that wants to compete, if you're a freestyle compound archer, like this is that's who I'm talking to. If you want to compete and you're new with this, there's a lot of podcasts out there that can help you, and I'm just trying to be one of them. I won't sell you a bunch of green fucking gear either. Okay. You can shoot whatever, you know, whatever your heart desires. 
blue. That's going to be my shit is blue. <laughs> All right, guys. I think I've uh, stoned, stone talked to you guys long enough. Uh, gotta give good thanks to the good people at DB Custom Coatings. You guys watch the Instagram for DB Custom Coatings because there is going to be a sick, sick Invicta getting done. It's getting done right now. Check it out. When that Invicta comes out, you guys are going to be like, what the fuck? That is dope. It's making me wonder what I want to, you know, get my uh, my 38 Cerakoted. I'm just such a weenie about breaking the bow down once they get a setup working. So, I don't know. I don't know when it's going to be, but maybe after Vegas, I'll do something with my uh, 38. Damn, 38's a sick bow. Super happy with it. Those Invictus are looking pretty good, though. You guys see Jesse Broadwater. Uh, old <laughs> old Jesse Broadwater shooting a Hoyt again. And uh, along with a bunch of other uh, bunch of pros. Like, uh, what's her name? Aaron McLattery or something like that. A lady 3D badass who, I guess she crushes 3D terms all the time. I guess she's shooting a, a Hoyt now. She was a Matthew shooter, I think. And then the rest of the guys are like Broadwater's homies, you know. <clears throat> That's cool, you know. <laughs> it it's cool, but I mean, it just goes to show you guys anyone can shoot anything. Like all all the top bows are all pretty much the the same. You're gonna go for the same. The goal is the same for all of them. Get it to shoot a bullet hole or close to it. Get it to group. Fucking put good stabilizers on it, good glass on it, and then fucking go kill with it. So I don't know. Hoyts are looking dope, but goddamn these Matthews bows, sick. <clears throat> And before I'm done, I just came across one more question that I meant to answer that I totally didn't. So if anyone, <clears throat> if you're bored, hey, I don't blame you. You can turn it off. It's okay. But let's see. Uh, a buddy of mine, the Mueller, was saying, ah, oh, dude, your podcast. He's like, there's so much bullshit. And I was like, oh, pray tell. Um, he said, how do you know what a good a good setup is? Because a lot of people don't know what good setups are. Uh, I think I said something like, you know, about having a setup. You shoot 500 arrows through it. If it's good, leave it. If it's not good, change it. And so Alex is saying, well, how do you know if it's good? (laughs) Well, let's see. If you shoot a 30x game, I'd say leave it. Don't don't change it, right? If you're shooting a three... If you shoot... Long streaks of 300s, don't change it. Let's see, if you're a 290 shooter, is your setup good? Well, does your first, does your arrow land behind the pin is the first thing. If it does, that means when the shot breaks, that arrow lands right where your pin was, then I'd say it's good. Now, to know, that means you can't close your eyes when you punch a trigger. All right, or, or punch your release, or whatever you do to get it to go off. You gotta like keep your eyes open when you're shooting, and know did that arrow land when right where that pin was when the shot broke. If that arrow lands where the the pin is, the bow is tuned. All right. Now, can you hold? Can you hold in there? Can you hold in the spot? Uh, if you can, stabilizers are good. If you can't, figure it out. Right, buy buy thirty ounces of weights, and you can get a uh, five sixteen twenty four all thread from McMaster, <clears throat> and from McMaster Car, I think eight bucks or nine bucks will get you like a six foot fucking. It might even get you a couple six foot rods. I have, man, I got like ten six foot five sixteen twenty four all threads at work because I ordered them thinking uh it was six inches and not and six feet i I spaced i'm usually not high when i order stuff but maybe i was so i got like all this all thread at work and i'm just like oh shit i'll never use this you could buy one of those you go to ace hardware pay a little bit more and get a smaller piece right get 30 ounces of weight fiddle around with those weights and you can you'll figure it out you get your stabilizers so you can hold good that means holding the 10, you know? Holding the 10 more than you're not in the 10. 
Um, if that's good, you're good. Your setup's good. You know, that's really all it takes. The rest of it's on you. Practice. Um, forgiving. You know what's funny is I was I was thinking about the term forgiveness again, and I said like you don't want forgiveness, and I still stand by that. You want your arrow to land where the pin broke. If you break outside the dot and the arrow lands in, that should not happen. By physics, that shouldn't happen. And if it does, you have some wacky torque, and that was very lucky, you know? Um, or you put some English on it last second, you know? Which, you know, sometimes works. People say it doesn't work. <laughs> I think it works. Uh, or I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Damn. And and that's it. That's all I got. I think I was on on a some kind of thought that I just got lost on because I'm stoned. I'm trying to remember what it was, but anyway, if you, you'll know a good setup if you got one. All right. If it's not good or it turns bad. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Easy versus fucking setting the bow up easier forgiveness. So a lot of weight on your bow will make that bow forgiving in the respect that you can have some nonsense in the bow hand and still break shots in the tent. Sometimes those heavy setups, though, you you will struggle with. If you're not conditioned to shoot them, you'll struggle with them. <clears throat> so you have to ask yourself, do I want a bow that I have to condition myself to shoot? Or am I going to go for a setup that's easy to shoot but not forgiving at all? It means I have to be on it. You have to be engaged 10 out of 10 when you're shooting. Right now I'm picking the easy one, all right? But that's two things uh, that you know you, you got to ask yourself you're going to set up a bow to be easy to shoot or you're going to set up to be, to be forgiving. And there's there's in-betweens all over the place in there. You don't have to go far one way or the other. Um, you just It has to match your conditioning for how often you're shooting. Um, again, I know that's another side thing. Sorry, Alex. Uh, but, you know, if you're... If the setup's good, it's good. That does not mean you can't improve it. Okay. Maybe it doesn't take you 500 shots to realize you want to improve something. Maybe you like the way it shoots, and it takes you 2,000 shots. Well, after 2,000 shots, if the bow tells you it needs something, give it something. Try try something, you know? Oh, but see. <laughs> oh, man. Right into the microphone on that one. Is this thing still working? Yeah. All right, guys. So those are the questions. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble stoned. If you ever smoke weed with me, <laughs> which I don't smoke weed very much anymore. This is just a once in a while thing. Um, this is generally what my conversations consist of. It's stoner, uh, archery talk type shit. So DB custom coatings, get your bow CR coated. Uh, aside from that, that's all I got for you guys. Uh, I'll give you an update after Sunday. I'll let you know what, I, I I don't think I'm going to interview people at the practice, but I'm, there's going to be two pro shooters there, um, a couple record holders, like two national uh, champions, a uh, state champion. It's going to be a couple guys that can shoot, and I'm going to ask them a bunch of questions. I'll pick their brains, and uh, hopefully I'll take some of their money too. So you all get some good practice out there, okay? Uh, and thank you, everyone, for the support. Super cool. I'll talk to you guys in a week. Peace.